0: In other words, they told me that they were suspending me on the clause 9.1. It comes to managing the family's budget to ensure financial stability amid rising costs
1: of everyday living. You have to tell us more about family line.
0: In today's world, listeners are complex and multidimensional, and it's a little cumbersome to toggle back and forth from channel to channel, trying to get your fix. We feel your podcast should be just as diverse as you. Welcome to Fred Talks, where the topics are as layered and multifaceted as you are, with a dash of inspiration and a little bit of an edge. Hey, thanks for checking in one more again with your
2: guy, your friend Fred B, host of Fred Talks, a catalyst for crucial conversations for the culture. Listen, today we're going to therapy, y'all. I caught up with licensed mental health professional and author, Miss C. Anderson. And we had a great time talking about things that normally you're not supposed to talk about. Normally, these things are off the table. These things are taboo, but we go there. We talk about social media addiction and its relationship to mental health. We even talk about why the homies really aren't a good substitute for going to therapy. We even go there and talk about why people of faith can and should, even though they go to the altar, they should still make an appointment to go see a counselor or a therapist regularly. We talk about that and much, much more. So stay tuned. We're going to get right into it right after these ground rules.
1: This probably doesn't need to be said, but of course, we're going to say it anyway. The views and opinions expressed on Fred Talk's podcast are not to be misconstrued as professional advice, counsel, gospel, a personal attack, law, guarantees, a substitution for hard work, a one size fits all formula for every scenario, or any type of promise. It's a podcast, y'all. Come on. You know you need to consult a credentialed professional before making a hasty or significant change with your life. Don't you? Don't you? Of course you do. Now, be encouraged by the show. Be entertained by the show. Be challenged to cross examine some of your long held beliefs. Note the host and his guests have strong views held loosely. Being committed to lifelong learning means that the perspectives may change in light of information. That's not contradiction. That's evolution. So please don't come for us unless we sent for you. Now that we have an understanding, let's get back to today's episode of Fred Talks. Okay.
2: All right. Welcome to the show, C. Uh, how you doing this evening?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me.
2: My memory is correct. Uh, I have been your Facebook friend for maybe a <laughs> year now, <laughs> right? And this he is my first time. Right? Like, really? Yeah. And it's my first time, like, really. <laughs> even hearing your voice. Well, no, I heard your voice because I would watch some of your lives. In fact, there's one that really sticks out in my mind. Uh, right before, right when that fiasco happened with uh, Ariande, Ariana Grande, you took the Facebook mm-hmm. Live and you know kind of shared your hearts and, 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 and challenged uh, some toxic behaviors and things like that. And uh, it really resonated with me and I appreciated your voice then. Uh, since then, I continue to you know love the energy that you put on your page um as far as i can observe your posts really do add value on facebook so thank you i appreciate you for being you
3: mhm
2: but even though i've been connected for a year i have scoured your facebook page and you have done a good job with sharing very few details <laughs> like you know how to show only what you want folks to show so i gathered here's what i have gathered um I know you went to Howard. I almost gave Correct. you credit by saying, yes, yeah, she's a Howard graduate, but I only saw your start date, and I didn't want to be presumptuous. And you don't even have to confirm or deny. I'm going to just leave that out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also know, I mean, I know Well, I don't. that's not on your page, so I don't want to say that unless you want to say it. Um, I also know that you're an author. And uh, unfortunately, that just came on my radar, like, as we were prepping for the interview, like today. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I would have loved to, you know, purchase the book, once to support you, but then get further insight into how you how you process things. But maybe you, maybe yeah. you feel comfortable sharing about that a little bit towards the end. Uh, and sure. I know that uh, you're you a mental health therapist. Mm-hmm. That's, that's about all that you have uh, been generous <laughs> enough to share about your personal life. And I ain't mad at you, but I know there's much more you, then that. So one of the things that's important to me on this podcast is that um, um, I help my listeners to get to know my guests and their their profession uh, and mm-hmm. their products or services, but I do want them to warm up to the person um, a little bit more. So one of the ways that I try to achieve that or try to facilitate that is I like to hit my guests with an impromptu icebreaker question. So I know I didn't prep you with this. Because I didn't want okay. to take this thing out, of me. but if you're willing, if, right. you, if you're going to be a good sport, I'll throw it out at you.
3: Sure, you I, can I'm, decline. I'm
2: game. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. I appreciate that. Here we go. So the question is, if you were able to have lunch with any person of your choosing, oh. in fact, oh, to make you. to make it fun, it could be they could be living or not, right? Oh, but if you choose, yeah. If you could have <laughs> yeah, and people are gonna hear this, so you know people are gonna be in their feelings if you don't choose them, right? So you're gonna have to put disclaimer okay. upon disclaimer <laughs> upon disclaimer. <laughs> right? To be fair, it is not impromptu. So hopefully hopefully that helps you with your argument later. But um you can have lunch any person you want, living or not. Here's the question. Who would it be? Where would you go for lunch? And here's where we really zoom in. What three questions would you ask them? You only had three questions you could pose, what three would it be?
3: Okay. Now, they don't have to be famous,
2: but if if, if the general population okay. wouldn't recognize their name, you kind of got to tell us the story behind why you okay. chose them. Yeah.
3: Hmm.
2: Oh, man, it's hard. <laughs> but it's going to be very
3: telling. help really, with really
4: Oh, Lord have mercy. Okay. <laughs> Honestly. Okay. So, of course, first a bunch of, you know, celebrities or famous people kind of came to mind. Um mm-hmm. like Dorothy Dandridge, I'm a really like I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Dorothy Dandridge. Okay. Um and then if it were someone that was living, it would be either Michelle Obama or it would be uh Tracy Ellis Ross. I am a huge mm. fan of
3: hers. Your, Lo-
4: yeah, I mean,
2: well, your personality I mean love. The that- personality That I gather from your Facebook, like from my investigation, I can see Uh why you would pick uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. But I knew you were gonna say Michelle Obama. But but still, you can't pick all three. You gotta narrow down to one.
3: I know. I know. Okay. Okay. But
4: actually, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be uh, any of those amazing women. It would actually be my grandmother, and she has. Uh, when I was 16, she went to hospital on my birthday and she died a couple of days later,
3: my 16th birthday. Oh, man. And,
4: okay. you know, because at the time I was 16, like I'm connected with my friends. I'm not really thinking about yeah. the wisdom that, you know, parents yeah. or older relatives hold. So mm-hmm. I often, even now in like the last two years, I really truly regret not crying my grandmother more about her experience in the world mm-hmm. before she passed. So if I could yeah. pick in- anybody, it would be her. Um, I would take her to probably, um, I don't know, like white tablecloth restaurant, like Maestro's or somewhere really, really nice. Cause she uh, actually retired when I was born. Cause I was born three months premature. So she retired and stayed mm-hmm. home and took care of me. And um okay. I would wow. ask her, awesome. yeah, yeah, so I would ask her to tell me more about our family history because we were mm-hmm. the descendants of slaves in Madison, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying That's to research that, that out. yeah. Because so I would I ask her, like... oh, I'm sorry, go
2: ahead, I'm cutting you off. Go ahead, go ahead, do do get... my I'm... wheels are turning. Go
4: ahead, <laughs> okay. So I would ask her that piece. That would be my first question. My second question would be, what was her experience like just growing up in the time that she did?
3: She was born in 1920,
4: died in 98, I think.
3: Wow. She's seen so much. Yeah.
4: Exactly. So I would want to know more about that. And then I would just ask her for wisdom for everyday living. Like, I don't really have any kind of quotes or, you know, nuggets. Because, again, like I was 16, like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm, mm (laughs) so um, I would, that's who I would choose.
2: Yeah, good choice, man. Uh, So many thoughts are coming to my mind. You know, I'm sure you tire of this type of rhetoric as I do. People uh, act like, uh, you know, slavery was so long ago or that Mm -hmm. the impact of it is not, has been erased. You know, but it's, you talk about right. your grandma.
3: Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> you talk about your grandmother. That ain't too far. Everybody, I mean, yeah. That's so yeah. okay. And then another thing came to my mind. You know, it really does take a village, how you said. You know, your grandmother retired to help take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if this generation, you and my mine and yours, are even younger than us. If they, um, mm-hmm. if they grasp that, you know, that it takes a generation. I mean, take the take the takes the
3: good. Yeah,
2: and and like you're saying, as I get older, I start to appreciate my my elders even more, and uh, I mm-hmm. long for those times where I took it for granted, and I kind of assumed one they weren't as wise as they presented themselves to be, or right. I had I had much more time with them than I really did. Yes,
4: and I think for me that was. My downfall was believing that oh she'll always be around, so yeah. I'll have time in the future when those things are important.
3: Yeah,
2: okay. So I know now that you were a preemie. I was a preemie too. I know. <laughs> um, yep, yep. But I made up for it. I ate all the groceries as I was coming up. Did
3: huh? you? <laughs> <said>, uh
2: huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you only child?
4: No, I have a brother and a sister I'm on my mom's side, and then I have three brothers on my dad's side.
2: Okay. So I know the family dynamic. Um, I know some of the uh, lady celebrities that you um, look up to or that you esteem. I know your profession. I know you also wrote a book. Um, anything else that you want to share before we get started? Um, get further into the interview? <laughs>
4: No, that's probably, I think that's a good foundation.
2: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, How long have you been a mental health uh, therapist? And can you talk a little bit about how or why you chose that career path? Or you might say that career path, that calling chose you, however you want to unpack that for us. Okay. So
4: I have been practicing for about. Four years, five years now. Um, okay. And that's a process. Cause you you kind of have like clinicals and internships and to get fully licensed, but all of it is considered to be practice. So that's been for about five years now, five okay. years next month. Okay. So I definitely didn't choose a profession because I was supposed to be an orthodontist and that just didn't work out. Really? So I ended up, yes. Like the end of my junior year I was like, I don't like this.
3: <laughs>
4: I'm gonna change my major. I went and changed my major. I took like a bunch of summer courses to catch up. I took about twenty, twenty one, twenty two credits each uh semester of my senior year wow. to get caught up. So I Twelve is a foreload, right? Yeah.
2: Twelve credits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: Okay. So yeah, that it definitely shows me.
2: yeah 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 but did it cause you to be animated Uh, you know like so you know as you were studying it did it seem laborious was it something you did grudgingly or you
4: i i I absolutely because of who i am as a as an individual my personality i'm naturally extroverted so i don't care what i would have done i would have been animated and Mm. lively And actually, a lot of my clients appreciate that because it's not, you know, it's not really the norm Mm -hmm. for this profession. So I feel like whatever career I ended up with, I would have been the very same. (laughs) And I enjoy it. I absolutely enjoy the work that I do. It was interesting. I did a lot of, um, assistantships in under both undergrad and graduate school. So I was a big nerd and, um, I kind of take the sense that whatever I do, I have to enjoy it. I need to have uh, fun with it. I need to make it exciting.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: that's just been the way that I do all things. Right on. So, yeah, I could have been working at McDonald's and I would have been the best, like, welcome to McDonald's. How can I take your oh order? My- oh my gosh, your dress is so cute today. What do you need? Right. Let me help you. Oh, here's some extra napkins. So, right. you would have yeah, bought the Chick fil A culture. <laughs>
2: To McDonald's,
3: <laughs> to McDonald's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on, and uh, that's not an endorsement for Chick Fil A, but Chick Fil A can sponsor me at any time if they're listening to this. <clears throat>
3: um,
2: so, <laughs> okay, so four or five years, and let me be the first to wish you happy uh, work anniversary uh, Thank up you. on your five year mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you have a a, a, a niche um, that you specialize I do. in? I do, and that
4: also was something that was not what I wanted. I ended up in my very, like my last day before my internship contract was due, Mm -hmm. the person that initially said, okay, you can come here and do your internship, like bailed on me. So I had to make some connections, and I ended up in an environment that, supported, and helped victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. So that was where okay. I ended up. And I was like, uh, okay. this is going to get messy. I don't really need yeah. to do this. And it really yeah. changed the course of my of my professional life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so did that pre- predate the book? Did that kind of inform?
4: It did. It did. Yeah. Um, so the book was written about... Two and a half years, three years after I started working in that field, in that particular environment, because I kept getting the same kind of questions over and over again. So people knew what I did. And they would reach out to me and say, hey, my cousin is in this relationship where I'm dating this guy. What do you think? And I was like, look, y'all keep bugging me. (laughs) If somebody asks you the same question, you know, more than three times, you pretty much have something, you know, to develop. So that's what I did. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay, it's it's making sense now. Like, um, um, your voice on your social media in your social media space is making sense now. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm connecting the dots. I'm connecting the dots. Okay. So mm-hmm. the technical term, if, if I'm correct, is mental health health therapist. Is that your?
4: That's correct. Or um, my licensure is a licensed professional counselor. But they're all under the same umbrella. So if someone is a psychotherapist, they could be a psychologist, a licensed uh, clinical social worker, they could be a LPC, they could be an M- an M, what is an LMHC. So it's all under the same umbrella.
2: Okay, so two things. One is you are actually going right where I was going to ask you. But come on, I'm not in your space. I don't know what them LPs mean, and
3: uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the jargon. So please. Uh, Okay,
3: that
4: back so, so if you said, hey, I want to go see a therapist, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Like if you said, hey, I want to go to the doctor, you could see an internist, you can see a general practitioner, you could see a family physician, um, okay. you could see a doctor of, it's a, a DO, I can't remember what the O stands for, right? But either of those doctors could handle your general mm-hmm. medical concerns,
3: right? Okay. Mhm.
4: So if you said I want to see a therapist, you could see a licensed clinical social worker, you could see a licensed professional counselor, you could see a licensed clinical mental health professional, you could see a psychiatrist, you could see a psychologist. So
3: Okay.
4: Those So
2: I didn't know. I didn't know sociolog- a, a, a a social What is a social um a, a, a social, social worker? worker? The social worker, yeah. I didn't
3: know that yeah.
2: they would also fall under the umbrella.
4: Mhm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're considered to be, it's a different level of social work because when you okay. go in, you have micro and macro. So if you're dealing with people, environment, or if you're dealing with the system as a whole, it kind of changes your pathway. But if you come out, you can get a, what is it called? A license, um, you can become a licensed clinical social worker.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah but still help me see if okay so i say i have a therapist
3: mm-hmm. how
2: does he differ and i feel like what we do when i go for my visits is he's mm-hmm. giving counsel really what i feel like he's doing i feel like he's 80% listening and a lot of times mm-hmm. i'm watching the clock i'm like man he's doing a lot of listening i ain't you know come on man i'm, I'm paying <laughs> right but with that 20% when he when he speaks man it pierces yeah. it's it's what i need right like I guess part of the yeah. healing, you know, there's a scripture that comes to my mind. Um, it says, um, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. just the confessing, just the external processing, you almost heal yourself. You just need somebody to listen to you, you know. Right. Space.
4: And so, yeah, so that's the goal. Like therapy isn't advice. We're actually ethically and legally prohibited from giving advice. So we don't tell you what to do. But what mm. we do is we listen actively. And then we help you connect the dots so that you can pretty much like you just said, so that you can heal yourself. Because ultimately, we want you to go out and be a fully functional uh, member of society and use the tools that we've reworked and processed with you for the, you know, the remainder of, you know, your time here on earth. So our job is not to tell you what to do. Our job is not to fix you. Our job is not to make you better. Our job is not to advise you in any way. Our job is to listen, take it in, and really hold up a mirror to the client or the
3: patient. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That sounds exactly like what he does. Um, Wow. Okay.
3: Good. Um,
2: (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, it took me a while to find out that that's effective. You know, when I was new to it, I'm like, okay, man, you know, this copay,
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I, I
2: want to get my money's worth, but uh, he's, he's, on, mm-hmm. he's on
3: point. Um, right. But
2: still, how does a therapist differ from a counselor, like in layman's terms? Are mm-hmm. they any different? Or, I mean... They're
4: not.
3: Okay, that's what I'll so, Yeah, okay. They're
4: not, there's not a, no, there's not a difference. Okay. The objective is, is the same. It's to provide okay. mental health
2: okay so i just now started going to therapy the fourth quarter of 2017 and the way that happened was um there's this bishop uh out in uh detroit that uh you know he's like a mentor to me and he came he was visiting in texas we were having dinner and i was telling some things, and he's like you know you might want to go to therapy um Mm -hmm. and then he even went on to say man i oversee all these churches all these leaders like and even i continue to get value from going to therapy right mm-hmm. he's like you might want to see so and so and to be honest with you i think it was my pride because i was like mm-hmm. well i'm cool i'm I'm cool i was like i'm all right um and he didn't <laughs> he didn't fight that he was like yeah you probably are all right but you want to let your good keep you from great i was like dang mm-hmm. and then i started thinking well you know i got kids i got my wife like they deserve i mean i deserve but they deserve the best version of myself that I could give them, and, and what's the harm, right? So I had to sit. Right. With them. I said all right. that to say. In your opinion, what usually keeps people from even considering therapy?
3: Mhm, mhm.
4: So there's layers to that, and the first layer I would say is people don't want to be labeled as crazy.
3: Yeah. Because true.
4: talk therapy has only really become the standard, right, in the Mm -hmm. last 25 to 30 years.
2: Has it been that long?
4: And and that's me being generous. That's me being generous in my estimate. Because usually it was, you know, intensive inpatient care or, you know, being institutionalized. And with Mm -hmm. the Reagan administration, a big part of what he did was say, hey, we want people to, go back into their communities, and they'll do better that way, and we're going to deinstitutionalize people with serious clinical psychiatric um, abnormalities. Okay. So before then, therapy was very, very stigmatized that if you were going to see someone, it was like, oh, I have a therapist. You know, because you didn't want people to think, and you know, society was very much about the picture that we paint and the picture that we present. So no, people were not as open and definitely weren't as willing to go to this place that says something is wrong with you in your life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So do you think we have gone from one end of the pendulum all the way to the other? Like on one hand, we we resisted. But do you feel like it's um, it's becoming so normalized, which is good. I celebrate that. I'm an advocate for mm-hmm. that. But do you feel like um, it's become trendy and people are treating their therapists like it's an accessory, like it's almost like, oh, I got an iPhone, which kind of speaks mm-hmm. to like a certain status, like I can afford an mm-hmm. iPhone and mm-hmm. oh, I can mm-hmm. afford to go to therapy. In fact, oh, speaking of afford, you know what really mm-hmm. did it for me? It was the Netflix movie uh, film, um, Dear White People. There was an episode where the dean was telling the guy, he was like, look, man, you see all these wealthy white people with all these accoutrements Mm -hmm. of wealth, all this pamper and privilege, and they still go Uh to therapists like, regularly. And here you are Mm -hmm. with all the adversity that you face as a black man,
3: Mm -hmm. and you're
2: not going to go to therapy? I mean, I think about James Baldwin, who says uh, to be a Negro in this country, to be relatively conscious, to be at rage uh, all the time. You know, like, so I feel like black people should be running to therapy um i mean i feel like black people are carrying a measure of ptsd that that either they have not identified or they don't feel comfortable sharing and i'm like man we gotta we gotta get this dealt with do you feel like we swung from one end of the pendulum back to the other
4: no um i do understand what you're saying right so is it trendy isn't it an accessory
3: mm-hmm. i
4: think that that may be so but i don't necessarily believe that that negative or that that will negatively impact the overall goal of people being healthy because when you think about it if it's trendy more people are going to do it and they probably wouldn't do it otherwise the second part of that is you have a dentist right and you see your dentist a minimum of twice a year to make sure that your teeth are healthy you go to your physician a minimum of once a year to make sure that your body is functioning properly you even mm-hmm. take your car in for service probably quarterly. Mm-hmm. So, with that same spirit, we should absolutely be able to have a therapist designated for your annual or your semi, you know, annual or quarterly or monthly check-in. Because when you think about your mind is what runs everything. Your mind is what allows you to go to work. Your mind is what allows you to be social. Your mind is what allows you to make a living and be a parent, brother, sister, cousin, or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: That needs to be treated just as important as getting your key clean or having a, what we call a medical home, having a primary care physician to handle issues with your health. It needs yeah. to be the, the very, that very same energy needs to transfer over into having a mental health professional that you can connect with.
2: So here's something I didn't consider until you just said this. Uh, you were talking about the frequency, you know, we go for our annual checkup. We go for our car maintenance uh, quarterly, et cetera, et cetera. How frequent should someone go to therapy for maintenance? And then, mm-hmm. and should they um, step ramp that number up, the number of visits mm-hmm. up, when they're going through, you know, a crisis or just kind of came through a crisis? Like, what, what do you think is Correct. The good for maintenance and good for crisis mode?
4: Okay. So that would depend upon what the presenting issue is. That means that is the issue that brings the individual into the office. If they are having a true mental health crisis like psychosis, um, suicidal ideations thoughts wanting to harm themselves for others, that is something that you have to keep a very close watch on until symptoms are lessened or they subside or they're you know significantly reduced. So let's okay. say somebody comes in and they're having a life event like divorce, death of a loved one, loss of a job, getting married, having children. Yeah. That's something that you know that you can do once a week until you feel like I am able to handle Things a little better. I'm able to use the skills that I'm learning in therapy. So now I want to go down to biweekly. Or now things are really good. Now I want to go monthly. A really good measure of that is if you're in session and you're talking less and less in session because nothing else has been happening, right? So yeah. it's like,
3: yeah.
4: I'm and I'm now able to handle. You probably noticed for yourself in your own work that you're able to handle things differently and a little more effectively. So mm-hmm. when you go back to, to counseling, everything is a, a crisis.
3: Yeah. For maintenance initially, purposes, oh, good, sorry.
4: right. But mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. going to say, initially, um, initially it may be very difficult, but after you learn, because remember the goal of therapy is to teach you the coping skills mm-hmm. so that you can maintain mm-hmm. without the use of um, weekly, monthly therapy. I always recommend that people come in quarterly to go and get checked up. Just kind of come in for a tune-up and say, how are things going? Because in three months, four months, a lot of things can happen. Yeah. So how are you doing? Is that issue still persistent? Okay, what has changed? Okay, what has gotten worse? Okay, remember we talked about this. Because another thing is that it depends on what you're processing. So trauma is something that you process over your lifetime. So you're always going to want to go back when you have different life mm. events to say, okay, this is coming up for me again. What do I, what part of it do I need to process now?
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um,
2: that's good. You said it comes back up because I, I think that's what made me also. Awesome. That was my breaking point too. I had a lot of things happen at one, like, um, like I changed careers. Uh, I was laid off from a career redeployed, however you want to put it. I was reassigned. Uh, and while there was no lapse in employment, it was uh, it was the death of, an, of a career, a role that I had for 10 mm-hmm. years. I moved from California to Texas. So it's a loss life. of the community. I, I stepped down from ministry, so it's a loss of that identity, if you will. Uh, it was a lot, and I underestimated it because, you know, I think we live mm-hmm. such a fast-paced life. We don't always assess mm-hmm. some of the wounds, you know, just like an adrenaline mm-hmm. a rush in, in a fight. You don't assess how much you've been bruised, and you don't take time as like, right. whoa. I went through a lot, and we minimized.
4: It. Absolutely. And
2: so those Absolutely. things made it imperative for me to go in. But you're right, though. I got to a point where I said, "Man, I don't have anything to talk about," um, which was good. And then I got hit with something. Mm-hmm. But even even though I got hit with something that kind of blindsided me, which I shared with you a little bit, um, mm-hmm. I still feel better prepared because of the tools that we talked about before. Again, coping. Awesome. Doing you know, what the ways to cope. Yeah. Like it, it didn't overwhelm me completely. I was still able to have some gratitude. Some Equanimity
1: by myself And so you. So Good. Yeah We interrupt this episode To express our gratitude For your listenership Whether this is your First time listening Or you're a regular listener We want to deepen Our connection There are a few ways To do that First, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And of course, chances are that if you like the show, your friends will too. So be sure to post, share, and repost on all of your social media outlets. Also, don't be shy. Connect with Fred B on Twitter using the handle FredTalks, spelled Fred T A L X. After you've completed those two steps, visit the Patreon page at patreon.com slash Talks. Remember, Talks is spelled T-A-L-X. And check out the multitude of ways for you to support. Lastly, if you enjoy the podcast version of Fred Talks, imagine how electric a live Fred Talks session would be. Sure, recordings are great, but... When it comes to value, there are some intangibles that require you to be in a live setting to get full impact. The goal is to begin online via the podcast and ultimately take the sessions offline to do the real work of providing solution oriented motivational sessions to impact current and emerging leaders of all ages. To get more information about hosting a live Fred Talk session for your staff, students, members, send an inquiry to fredtalks.com to get the conversation started. That's all for now. Let's get you back to the show.
2: To the person that's listening to this and saying, okay, well, if they're going to just pretty much let you do 80% of the talking and they're just actively listening, why go mm-hmm. to a therapist when I got my home? Mm-hmm. Oh, God? And the reason why I didn't say homeboys, because even worse than homeboys, right? Like, guys, we don't even talk to our friends, really, I know. right? I mean, toxic masculinity has arrested us. And I really, know.
3: Yeah. Oh.
4: yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because I was going to mention that earlier, but I figured you'd get to it because you said something mm-hmm. really important at the top of the conversation. You said, I went to this guy, I was talking, you know, of the time and he was listening 20% of the time but when he opened his mouth what he said was golden right
3: yeah yeah
4: so number one a therapist is someone that doesn't have a dog in your sight Mm. they don't Mm. have any skin so they don't have to protect your feelings they don't (laughs) have to (laughs) they don't have to tell you things to like them Right, because we yeah. they're not trying to save a friendship, so they're not a yes man. Yeah.
3: So a therapist yeah. is someone
4: that is going to even show you the parts of you that are that are ugly, that are yeah. unhealthy, that are toxic, the things that you don't want to look at, and the things that you are probably blind to.
3: Yeah.
4: So yeah. so there's a there's a concept um, in therapy when we look at oneself, and it's called Jahari's window. And this window has four quadrants. One of, the, one of the quadrants is how you see yourself. How other, The mm-hmm. other one is how people see you. Um, I think the third is a combination of the two. And then the fourth is the things that you are completely blind to, right? So you don't see and other people don't see these. That's the yeah. place where therapy does its best work because you come into a place of self-discovery.
2: Amen. I I would agree to all that. Yeah, yeah.
4: So Mm -hmm. when you're talking about a friend, this friend knows things about you. This friend wants to remain a friend. Mm -hmm. This friend is not a professional and will will maybe give you advice. Remember, I told you therapists don't give advice. So this friend may Mm -hmm. give you advice and tell you to do things that backfire, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. a liability. So mm-hmm. it's very different when you're going into a space and this person is not only legally and ethically obligated to maintain your confidentiality and your privacy. Your friend is not. So we can yeah. have a falling out and your friend says, oh, you know what? I'm going to the gram. I'm a blaster. Or, oh, mm-hmm. real, he did that to me. So I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Your therapist Mm -hmm. can't do that. They're not going to put their livelihood and their licensure on the line, you know, like a friend would. So Mm -hmm. it's a very different space than to have a conversation with a friend.
2: Yeah. That last piece about confidentiality, that is really the selling point for me. That's what Mm helps me be transparent. Because one, I'm like, if I'm paying for this, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to come in here and play games. I'm ready to do the work, Mm -hmm. you know. And then two, right. Um, you don't really know me. You don't move in the same circles, so I'm not really worried about your judgment. And then three, like you said, confidentiality. That really seals the deal for me. You know. Um, right. Hmm. Okay. Can we talk about this a little bit? If um, if you, if you sure. um So, generally speaking, I know I'm, I'm I'm speaking in generalization. Generally speaking, ladies will confide in their homegirls with greater transparency. Than guys will with, with their home mm-hmm. with. Would you Would you agree with that? Do you think that's pretty fair to say?
4: I would say that that's a yeah, that's a pretty accurate generalization.
2: So, what do you attribute that to? Um, because oh, I feel like
4: I'm so glad you asked.
3: Oh, okay. Come on, talk about
4: it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I went to Howard University, and they pretty much open your brain up, and they dump all this knowledge inside. So, I pretty much uh-huh. take from everything that I've ever learned when I have this kind of conversation.
3: Okay. <laughs> um,
4: so, let's speak generally, okay? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when we're talking about men, men mm-hmm. are socialized to be powerful, okay? Yeah,
3: yeah. When
4: we talk about women, women are socialized to be liked. Mm. So when you look at a male who does not want to connect with the emotional parts of his being, society doesn't encourage him nor support him in doing that. From the time that you are a baby and you bump your knee and dad is saying, you know, man up, shake it off, you know, so... We socialize our our, our our little boys and we, we socialize them to be able to kind of like, you can handle anything, just shake it off, keep going, let it go, get over it. Yeah, That's what being, because yeah. when you're powerful, when you're, when you're groomed to be powerful, you don't show weakness, right? Because that's the yeah. antithesis.
3: So yeah.
4: when we look at women, we're shown to be liked. And how do you know when someone likes you? Like, what things do you do for someone to like you? you're nice? You talk, mm-hmm. you say mm-hmm. things that make them feel really good. So we mm-hmm. are more communicative and that's just kind of the way our brains are wired. We have a mm-hmm. very different um setup. Mm-hmm. So women use like I don't remember the numbers, so I don't want to misquote, but women mm-hmm. use significantly more words per day than men do. Because we just we yeah. like to talk.
3: <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's general. So when we get even more into the cultural implications of nurturing and being emotionally healthy, it's even more different than just the general population because we look at African Americans where it's like, oh, we made it through slavery, we're good.
3: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Well,
4: we look at we look at um, our Hispanic, you know, brothers and sisters, where where machismo is really big with the men. So right. you have to be like you're a man's man. Mm-hmm. And women yeah. are women are sometimes seen to be a little more um submissive. Then mm-hmm. we look at cultures like Asians, where generally speaking this whole emotional thing that we do in America is not, that's not what we do. Like, that, that's not,
0: <laughs> right. that's
4: not acceptable. So culturally, yeah. those, that stigma is even more significant. It's even more of a barrier to even getting someone in the door.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so much of what you're saying resonates with me. Um, I think about, are you familiar with, uh, I'm sure you are, are, are you familiar with uh, bail hooks?
4: I'm not.
2: What? Oh, you would Please. love
4: her stuff. Okay.
2: You probably, I'm gonna add her to my. You probably are, and just are not connecting. I would be surprised if you're really not. But
4: okay, man,
2: she does so much work on. She, she's 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 an advocate for feminism, and um, I use mm-hmm. that term loosely because um, I, I I draw a distinction between feminism and womanism. Right. You know where I'm going with that
4: hmm, I like where you're going with that. Continue.
2: Well, I see feminism. Feminism, it's kind of like these inclusive statements like all lives matter or all Mm -hmm. men are created equal or affirmative action. Anytime you use those inclusive statements, black people are usually left out of the conversation right. other people. That's right. Yeah. So same thing with feminism. On the surface, it looks like it's um, advocating for all women. really, it's it's not. not. Yeah. So womanism (laughs) ensures that... Black women or people, women of color are centralized, you know, definitely get yeah. their share of the equal rights. So, so so, that's why. But anyway, so she says feminism, but she understands the whole dynamic and she really is a woman. She really, in my opinion, is for womanism. But anyway, she talks wow. about how patriar- toxic patriarchy uh-huh. doesn't just hurt women,
3: mm-hmm. it,
2: it really bruises men. In yes. fact, it has to bruise men first. And I think about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, because it's t- like, I think about my, my son, right? If I'm mm-hmm. not careful and if I'm not conscious, I will hand down to him, uh, toxic gender scripts, you know, and I had to catch it early on. Like even me prevent him from wearing certain colors, even though I wear every color in the rainbow, but I didn't want him to get it so early because I wanted, you know, I wanted to simplify things for him or I had to catch myself with, Hey, just walk it off. And, and, I just have to make sure I, 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 I disabused myself of uh, some of those toxic practices. And I'm glad I got exposed to her teaching. I'm glad, you know, that I'm just kind of awakening some of these things so I don't pass that on him. Thank God he's only five. So,
4: yeah. you know, I
2: haven't done too much damage. But all that to say, I agree with you. It um, Even even when it comes to toys, I see how the toys that I can get for my daughter, it cultivates or it encourages her to access all, a broader range of emotions. But for mm-hmm. my son, everything. Right. Right. All the toys for boys, it tends to violence. Mm-hmm. or It only promotes anger oh, yeah. and aggressiveness. Yeah. 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 So like, I think you
4: brought up a very good a very good point because I think that we should also give our sons dolls, right? Because See, if I agree with you in my head.
2: I agree with you in my head, but I choked <laughs> when you said that.
4: <laughs> and so this is so what I'm... <laughs>
2: i do
3: agree
4: with you so that's that's some toxic masculinity coming up and it's just there like that's not you know that's not a bad thing right that's just kind of how we're raised yeah so when i say dolls right i don't mean this little girl doll it doesn't matter but i don't mean this little girl doll with frilly Mm -hmm. dresses on and you know that but what i mean Mm -hmm. is that is why we need to give our sons these little like the family system dolls, like it has a mom, dad, yeah. kids, grandma, granddad, and you let them play with it, let them, mm-hmm. you know, nurse the baby, hold the baby. How do we care for our, you know, our elders? Like, so they learn, and they, and that's familiar and that's normal for them.
3: Yeah.
4: yeah. Um, because if yeah. we don't, we get kids that could care less about respecting themselves, or a woman, or other people, connecting with
3: mm-hmm.
4: uh, other human beings on a basic human level they don't you
2: have to learn that i know there's truth to what you're saying well one because it just resonates with it, it overrides my my conscience it resonates as truth but i remember when we first had our kids i'm the only child so i never really had a lot of exposure to dealing with small kids okay. in fact I, I often say i didn't even like kids until i had my own kids uh, but i remember like kind of um allowing or encouraging my wife to be more hands-on than me um, mm-hmm. Because of my wiring, and I took for granted. I used to tell her things like, um, "Well, you're, you know, um, you are more prone to nurture, or you know, women are naturally nurturers." And um, now, I don't agree with that. I think that's just the script we've been given. That's that's how we've been conditioned. Yeah. That's how we've been socialized. Yeah. That's not our natural wiring, you know. So, all that to say, yeah. to what you're one of the other things that I gathered from your page, and just from conversation, even even now is uh, mm-hmm. if, uh you correct me if i'm wrong is that you know you're a person of faith uh you identify as a christian or you you believe in jesus would would that be fair to say yes okay so having a christian background as you do mm-hmm. um i'm sure you've heard of the idea that jesus who is affectionately known as the wonderful counselor uh mm-hmm. prince of peace all that that hey he is the counselor that's sufficient or if it's not just between you and your prayer closet, you going to mm-hmm. church and your pastor is sufficient. Mm-hmm. You don't need to leave mm-hmm. the ministry and go mm. to someone's couch. Now, I'll tell you that I think this is not to disparage. Like, like ministry has served me well, but ministry has also handed down some unhealthy core values or beliefs, right? Like I think a lot of people should stop going to the altar and they will get their deliverance if they went and sat on a couch. I think
3: mm. some of the
2: um, poor doctrine that has been traded down mm-hmm. has caused yeah. a lot of poor mental health issues. But let me scale back. You're the professional. What's the connection between, you know, church, religion, Jesus, faith, and therapy? Are they mutually exclusive? Can they coexist?
3: <laughs> what are your thoughts?
4: I think they must coexist. Mm.
3: Okay. Okay.
4: Right. So we all have this, we all have a belief system. And whether that comes from your faith, whether that comes from your family of origin, which is the family that you grew up with, Mm -hmm. your beliefs permeate everything that you do. So even agnostics or people that consider themselves to be atheists, they still have a belief system. They may not believe in a God, but they still have a, a code of moral guidance that they follow. Right? Mm
3: -hmm.
4: So when we say I'm going to put religion, and I don't necessarily subscribe to religion. I think that that is that can be oppressive, like you were talking about the wrong type of doctrine. Um, The place where I worship is actually non-denominational for the exact purpose. So it's like, give me Jesus, and I'm, you know, like all this other Mm -hmm. stuff. that's that's man Um, so aside from that regardless of like you can believe in in aliens or you can believe in (laughs) you know like the animal kingdom is you know first and human second like whatever your belief system is it's still a belief system Mm
3: -hmm.
4: so what is faith but belief
3: Yeah.
4: So we can't tie one off from the other. That's the first thing. Okay. So where do your, where does your faith, regardless of what that's in, if it's in Allah, if it's in Buddha, whatever, whatever your faith is and whatever your belief system is, where do those form? Where do we reconcile those? Where do we question? Where do we add to? Where do we alter, edit, revise? We do those mm-hmm. things based on our experiences, and we do those things based on our mind, our mind's ability to take in that information and apply it where it where it's necessary or where it fits. Yeah. So for us to say that these things don't go together, I think it's a disservice to each each part.
3: Okay.
4: So, for instance we have you know you have someone that's in church um and i actually i've had clients who have come in i've had um neo paganism um well, clients that have that belief system i've had um you know catholicism i've had uh what else you Uni- know what is it universalism mm-hmm. i've had uh muslim clients i've had jewish clients i've had um, agnostic. I've had atheists, and you know what we all do in therapy. We all do the same thing.
2: Because- that is, I'm so happy you spoke on that because that that's a good point. Because
3: mm-hmm.
2: some people would only okay, some people will only go if they're Christian, and they're only going mm-hmm. to go to a Christian counselor. Mm-hmm. And and for me, it was the reverse. I was mm-hmm. I was reluctant to go because uh, like I told you, this bishop uh that uh that I'm connected to. He was like, yeah, maybe you should go see so-and-so who's a counselor. But I knew him to be a uh, a Christian counselor or a ministerial counselor. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. frankly, I was like, well, I can quote scriptures. I, I know the word. I can pray. You know, right. I didn't want a Christian counselor. I wanted somebody who was going to be a little bit more objective. Like, don't mm-hmm. throw out platitudes. But what you're saying
4: you can serve the right. thing. Anyway. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing that I try to get people to understand is, so I just moved into a new practice. The practice prior to was a nonprofit, and it was faith-friendly. So whatever their faith is, we can incorporate it into the work that we do if that was a client's choice. If not, that's fine. I had, I had agnostic clients that were like, no, I'm good. I'm like, great. You're good. I'm great. Um, so that's not an <laughs> issue. But I also had clients where I, I would play with them. You know, if there was an issue, um, if I felt like God was moving on my heart, if they asked me to, yeah. or if yeah. they asked me about um, issues pertaining to their religion or their church or something that their pastor had told them, like you wouldn't be experiencing a mental health issue if you prayed more, your faith is weak, don't take oh, your medication, oh, yeah, man. so yeah, and so that's that's why I talk about the fact that we, I believe, that a lot of churches or a lot of heads of church would rather keep their members blind and sick yeah. in order to retain their members.
2: Oh, man. Okay. So we're going to give them your email address once this publishes so they don't send me the hate mail. Don't ask <laughs> me.
4: And that's no, fine. No, no. And that's fine. <laughs> and, 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 and see, this is the thing. I don't fear anybody but God. Word
3: up. Come on. Come on.
4: So, whomever comes to challenge me, they can come correct, and we can have a really great conversation.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Because what they have to understand is that if if they're teaching bondage, if they're teaching anything but the grace that came with Christ's crucifixion...
2: Come on and preach in here. you're,
4: (laughs) You're doing a disservice to your... That, that, that's legalism and that's bondage and that's what they're wanting their members to be in.
2: Yeah. And it's profitable. Yeah.
4: Uh,
3: yeah. I mean, retention dollars Yeah. Yeah. You
4: can have a whole conversation about that. <laughs> but when you yeah. really start to talk to your parishioners or your congregants, your members, about their health, whether it's their diabetes or hypertension or their cancer, about yeah. their mental health, that is when people really get free because they say, Well, wait a minute. I'm not depressed because there's something wrong with me. There's a chemical imbalance, right? Yeah. Or I'm yeah. not I'm not crazy. So but I've been dancing around my house. Right. Exactly.
2: Diabetes is the devil. Uh, exactly. Uh, lawfulness is the devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, my tire is the devil. and
4: they're yeah. And so they're actually, <laughs> you know, there's scripture where actually the Bible differentiates between mental health issues or insanity and demonic mm. presence, and mm. pastors will not—they will yeah. not tell you about that.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah. And I think some so, some of them do it. Uh, some of them may be doing it willfully, and some people are—they they don't know either. You know, and like I think. some people
4: may not. Yeah, and they may not. They they may not know, and that's why I think too it's important for pastors to go to counseling. And that's the interesting thing is that I've seen and I've worked with so many, so many pastors or so many mm-hmm. people like in the church that come to me. And mm-hmm. guess what? They have the same, the same issue that a non-believer would have because they're human and that's life.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the
4: same way yeah. that we tell people that being a Christian doesn't make your life easy and gives you tools to get through, yeah. you need to be telling them the same thing about taking care Of their mental health.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me change, let me pivot from there and change gears a bit. Um, Social media. I believe, I'll just talk about myself and uh, my, my experience, my observation. I believe more of us are addicted to social media than we are willing to admit. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's science behind it that talks about the dopamine hit that you get from every notification. Oh yeah. It could be social media. Mm-hmm. Could, yeah. And so I think you know the the endless scrolling up and down. It's like, what are you really looking for? And I don't think we're also also I don't think we're we're wired to consume that volume of information and that right. um, incongruent type of information. Like on in the same in, in a one minute span, we could hear about what Kim Kardashian had for lunch. We can get a tweet from 45. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we can hear about a death, like, you know, a, a, don't even get me on on the, the uh, trauma porn, you know, when another unarmed black man yeah. has been killed. Yeah. And we walk away with that. You know, we, we don't understand what we're doing for ourselves. So, are you seeing a connection? And can you talk about the pattern between social media and sure. mental health challenges?
4: So, first and foremost, social media is crafted to keep you engaged. Yeah. So that's why when you check a notification for, you know, a message, you, you get back into your feed and you start scrolling. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: So it's, and our brain is made up of, so our habits are a result of our neural pathways and they're plastic. So that means that they can change. So a lot of times when you have someone that's been through trauma, they have a trauma reaction and we work in counseling to change that response, Right. So when you rewire your brain, like the part of your brain that would be okay with reading a, a book in your hand, with something that is constantly stimulating you—there's, you know, bells and whistles and lights and moving, vi- you know, pictures and video—you're yeah. rewind- you're rewiring your brain to respond to that. And so studies have found that consuming social media leads to Depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations, especially in teenagers, uh, increase in eating disorders, inability to focus and concentrate, uh, impulsivity. Yeah. And I think it's even more telling that most of the parents of the developers and, you know, the the social media, computer, and tech, like, Mm -hmm. gurus, they mm-hmm. don't allow their children to have screen time.
2: So what's the solution? I mean, uh, is, there, is, is it all or nothing? Um, what do you recommend I think, for your I think clients? anything
4: in moderation um, is important. A lot of my clients, especially, I find it more with young women because, again, we want to be pretty. We want to be cute. We want to yeah. be liked, We want to be adored. We want to have you want to post a picture and come back and it's 300, you know, likes, right, for validation. Right, right. More so than right. men. Men have some of those same issues, but it's but it's different with women.
3: Sure.
4: So mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll tell my clients, and they come, they, I've had people like curse me out for this, but they come mm-hmm. back and they go, oh my god, it worked. So yeah. they'll, I'll say, hey, for the next week, I don't want you on social media. Like you can check your email, you know. I know you work. You can use your phone. But I don't want you on social media. Yeah. What do you mean? I want you to sit with yourself. What does that mean? That means
3: yeah.
4: that you're not distracting yourself from uncomfortable thoughts. Yeah. You're not keeping yourself connected to something that is taking your time and attention. You are becoming more in tune with your thoughts, emotions, feelings, and those things that don't feel good to you. And I want you yeah. to write about it.
3: And right. they come back and you it's know. like,
4: Oh my God, that made such yeah. a big difference. The first, you know, two hours in, I was, you know, I was saying all kind of horrible things about you. <laughs> <laughs> but it really but it really worked. I came into the knowledge that, you know, X, Y, and Z. Because yeah. we don't we don't give ourselves, you know, time to reflect, not even on a daily basis. And sometimes yeah. I'm guilty of that because I'm going, going, going. Um, and most yeah. of my stuff is web-based. So, but we yeah. have to. That's not the way our bodies and our minds are engineered. That's not how yeah. we were made.
2: So, one of the things I uh, here's some of, here's some of the uh, things that I'm trying to be intentional about. Um, I, I use Headspace for med- meditation. I've probably been about a year or two into that, and um, oh, as nice. a note to myself, yeah. And if I'm too busy to take the ten minutes out to do it. And that's the indicator to me, hey, for, you are entirely too busy. You you owe yourself mm. 10 minutes to breathe. Um, in the morning, um, I try to do journal. Actually, in the morning and night, um, and I got this from, uh, I think it's Tim Ferris. He has this uh, mm-hmm. Book of Titans book. And it's just a reference book, all these best practices of some of the champions, right? And um, I just do a five-minute journal. I, I practice gratitude when I wake up. What are Good. three different things that I can be grateful for? And I try to make them different every day. And I'm telling you that, that's that's really, I, I know it sounds simple, but it's really profound. Um, I do yoga, and I underestimate mm-hmm. yoga, one, I, the fitness, but also it's been, I've had some emotional experiences from doing yoga. Um, I don't know all the science behind it, but I mean, there's been times mm-hmm. where I come back to my wife, I'm like, man, I was almost weeping because of like a breakthrough mm. during yoga. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So,
4: and yoga has been found to connect our mind and our body, especially when we when, we, when we've had trauma. Mm.
3: Mm. So
4: that is probably yeah, it's excellent. Yeah.
2: There's this book that I read called uh, "The Body Keeps the Score," which uh, yes, by Bessel oh. van der Kolk. Oh yeah, so you already know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners, y'all want to check that book out. All right, we're about to wrap this up, but here's what I want to do. I want to hit you with. Uh, I want to hear about your self care. Well, what does self-care mean to you? <laughs> what, is, what are some of your practices that you are willing to share? And then after you do that, tell us, like, promote yourself. Tell us about what you got coming out. You okay. can talk about where to get the book. Sure. You
4: know. Sure. Um, so, for me, I'm very protective of my time and my
3: space. Uh-huh.
4: So, if I say I'm only going to work four hours today, I'm only going to work four hours today. Okay. If I say I'm gonna hang out, you know, with my friends or go to this activity, and y'all got me for two hours, that two hours is up. I'm gone. <laughs> That's
3: my wife. Yeah. <laughs>
4: All day. Um, so I'm very mm-hmm. pr- protective of that. I'm very protective of who I allow in my physical space as well. Like, some people I don't want to go out with. you. I don't want to have a phone conversation with you.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, because people are constantly making deposits, and so mm-hmm. I have to be careful about what they're depositing in on and around me Uh as far as mental self-care prayer is always something that's important i write a lot um i like to see things on paper yeah um i try to get a lot of rest i laugh a lot i'm very silly so i like to you know me and my my husband we get together and do a Netflix and chill or just, you know, mm-hmm. cut up and be silly together. Um,
3: yeah.
4: Um, also, like massage is very yeah. helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, aromatherapy is very helpful for me.
3: So you, Can you
4: say the no? <laughs> yeah, I'll use a diffuser. I'm not a big essential oil person, but I use a diffuser in my office and it's very uh, relaxing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I say no a lot, <laughs>
3: right, on. right um, on.
4: but I also say yes, especially the things that I've never, you know, done or experienced. I'll be like, sure, I'll go like, I'll go and, you know, see how this is. Is it fun? Do I like it? Or I'll try this, you know, try something new.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and I, I like to be around like-minded people. Mm-hmm. So those are, are very important for my own personal,
2: uh, wellness.
3: Okay. All right.
2: Um, Last thing, if the people need to get in contact with you, and I recognize that you protect your space, so you may not want to tell them, tell the world how to get in (laughs) contact with you, I respect that. So whichever part of this you want to share, uh, if they need to make an appointment to see you, uh, what's the process for that? If they need to go or they want to go and get your book, uh, what's the Mm -hmm. process for that? Anything else you want to cover before we get out of here?
4: Sure. So they can contact me on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, It's C. Anderson Live. And Facebook is C. Anderson, C. E. Anderson. And then the book is called Love Tap. How to recognize red flags and make a a safe exit. And that's available on Amazon.com. That's also available on BarnesandNoble.com as well. You just search my name or search Love Tap, it'll pop up. Yeah.
2: Okay. Cool. And, uh, man, there's so many other things I wanted to talk about. I might have to have you back because I want to talk okay. about uh, I wanted to talk about the process of finding a therapist. I wanted to talk about this whole oh,
3: phenomenon okay. of uh,
2: text message and Skype counseling. Okay. There might have to be a part two. There might have to be a part two.
3: Okay.
2: Um, but I've taken an hour of your time now. But but we'll we'll schedule something if you're up to it.
4: Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. That's that's fine. Oh. I'm 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 game.
2: Okay, cool. I so appreciate you coming on and and sharing, dropping these gems, man. And it was great to like sure. actually now put a voice with you know the
3: face. So uh, thank you so much. This is
4: my my southern accent.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. So.
0: Um, well,
4: thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
3: All
0: right. And so uh, we'll do this again. And just like that, it's a wrap. Another episode for the archives. Do you like it? Do you feel it, though? Did anything resonate with you? Did it motivate you? So now what? What are you going to do about it? What's your next move? Share your thoughts by emailing fredtalx at mail.com. Or connect on Twitter at Fred Talks, spelled Fred, T-A-L-X. Tune in next time for some more gems.